Andrew Womack Ministries presents this session from the 2014 Phoenix Gospel Truth Seminar. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. So now we are ready and blessed to have Dr. Creflo Dollar with us. And brother, I've only got to know him and Taffy during the last year and a half to two years, but I tell you, he has blessed my socks off. There's so many times I've yelled at that television, preach it, Creflo. Man, I tell you, he's preaching the gospel. That's awesome. I was with him in uh, the summer and I was telling him, I've gotten criticism. People saying, how dare you associate with Creflo? And he says, well, I get him criticized for being associated with you. Amen. <laughs> but you know what? I don't, I don't know much about him, but I know right now this man loves God and he has a revelation of how much Jesus loves us and he's sharing it and it's going to be a real blessing to you. So Creflo, come on up and... Just glorify the Lord. Let me get the roll. Stairs if you want. <laughs> Thank you. Man. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, you know, you might not like the association, but you better not talk about them in my presence. <laughs> I'll sick one of our churches on you. <laughs> I love me some, some Andrew and Jamie Woman. And I uh, uh, just even last night how, you know, I came in and, and you know, you, every now and then you bump into criticisms of other people. You don't mean to, but you just kind of bump into it, you know. And, um, you know, I bumped into it. Somebody's trying to have a big meeting against grace. And I'm thinking, I never thought I'd see the day where people have a problem with knowing that God is good. And the problem is, is we keep trying to judge God's ability based on our goodness. And you can't do that. God, God, what God will do for us, he does it not because we're good, but because he's good. God, God, God doesn't do for us because we're good. And we, we keep trying to, that, uh, what, he was, what uh, Andrew was sharing last night, uh, a fall from grace is really falling back into self-effort, falling back into performance, falling back into trying to fulfill some ritual. And whenever you find yourself in condemnation and guilt and shame, you probably just crawl back under that, that, that same uh, situation. The world says the fall from grace is really the fall you know, when they, they use it as saying someone missed the mark or they fell into sin. But you really, you, you probably fell more into grace when you sinned uh, than anything. But when you fall from grace, you have fallen from uh, depending and trusting what Jesus has already done for you to now you're back to trusting and depending on your own efforts. And so um, anyway, this, this uh, comment I, I ran across was like, wow. I was talking about the two ministries of Jesus and, and this guy just got all, he got mad. He said, I, I, I heard you speak at Megafest and I had faith in you and now I don't want to have anything to do with you. I dare you call Jesus a hypocrite and I just think you're just dangerous in how you're teaching grace. And I'm like, well, how are you doing? 
See, because one of the things I'm understanding, when you're really under grace, grace will teach you how to be gracious. And you'll start looking at people, not in anger, but you'll look at them and you'll see them as sheep without a shepherd. And they just need to be loved. And, uh, and so I went to bed last night and uh, Taff said, why, do you, why are you thinking about that? I said, I, I don't know, I don't usually think about it, but there's something in this. And um, I got up this morning and the Lord said, you wanna know why people continue to try to defend the law even though they can't keep it? Why do they continue to try to defend it? He says, because they have no idea concerning the new covenant and what this agreement is all about. Most people think the new covenant is the New Testament. Now I've already ripped out that little page between the old covenant, between Malachi and, and Matthew, I tore mine out. I tore mine out in front of the church. They were like, oh! I balled it up and threw it behind me. You know, and they're looking like, oh, heresy, you know. because there's so much we need to begin to understand about, about the Bible, about Jesus being the bridge from the old to the new. And when you, know, when you don't understand the new covenant, I mean the agreement of the new covenant, what is that agreement of the new covenant? And you keep thinking the new covenant is everything from Matthew through Revelations and you're not, you're not really sure what that agreement is then what you're gonna to continue to do is you're gonna mix law and grace. And what happens is when you start mixing law and grace, you don't get anything. Nothing happens. And so this morning I wanna, I don't, I don't know if I'll even finish it the weekend, but I don't, I, you know, since I met Andrew, I don't finish any sermons anymore. They just, <laughs> they just go on, you know, and you just stop and, you know. So I'm kind of used to that, just don't finish it. But I want to begin to look at, you know, just how this, it's kind of like having a, a, a puzzle, a, a, you know, a scrambled puzzle. You can't take one piece of that puzzle and look at it like it's the whole picture. You've got to put all of the pieces together and then it begins to form the picture and you begin to see it like it really is. And that's what I want to do. I want to, I want to teach on putting that puzzle together so that, we can walk our way up to this new covenant, find out what this new covenant says, but then I want, I want you to see the wisdom of God, even from Genesis all the way through the old covenant. You see, the new testament, the new covenant, this new testament is uh, God's word revealed. The old testament is God's word concealed. We've been trying to look at the old covenant without putting on new covenant glasses. And when you look at the Old Testament, and I've, I see people do it all the time, they look at the Old Testament, they pick a little scripture out of context and then they go preaching something. And emotionally it sounds good and, and, and it's satisfying, but it's just wrong. And so how do we look at this Old Covenant, how does it look? How does, how does it appear when we look at it through New Testament eyes? The New Testament, the Word of God revealed. The Old Covenant, the Word of God concealed. Now, what a blessing, what a privilege to be able to stand here this morning and to preach to people who have heard the gospel. 
Ooh, Jesus. I mean, that is a, I was thinking about that this morning. I'm gonna, I get an opportunity to talk to people who know the gospel. I, I felt like I spent most of the year last year just preaching and just kind of hearing people. What is he doing? Where did he get that from? Where is he coming like that? Heresy. This, uh, and I just go ahead and keep preaching like, dear God, I'm going to say this. And I know what I'm getting ready to say. And I was like, boy, they're not going to like this at all, you know. <laughs> and my friends, they don't, they don't call me anymore, Andrew. I hadn't heard from them since I've been doing this. And I'm just like, oh, well, but he'll give you new friends. Amen. That's what grace will do. He'll never leave you without guidance. Amen. So let's, let's begin looking at some things here. Let me establish a foundation here. Let's go to the book of uh, Romans chapter six. And I just want to establish some things in your thinking as we go for this this morning. And in Romans chapter six, look at verse 14. And verse 14 says, for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but under grace. Say out loud, I am not under the law. I'm under grace. Now notice something in verse 14. He says, sin shall not have dominion over you because you're under grace. So that means when you're under the law, that's when sin dominates you. Sin, sin most people think, religious people think that that, you know, they, they say, they call grace, greasy grace, and, and they think, well, you know, now that you're under grace, grace empowers you to sin more. No, grace, grace doesn't empower you to sin more. Titus chapter two talks about how grace will teach you how to live godly. See, I hear people saying things like, well, you know, um, I'm, I'm late to work, but thank God I'm under grace. Well, well, hold on, if you're under grace, grace will empower you to be on time. Grace, grace, is not, grace is not empowering you to, to, to fail or to, 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 to have damaging character. No, that's not what grace will do. Grace will empower you to, to, to excellence. Grace will empower you to do the things that you need to do. I had a guy, I had a question and an answer service at church last weekend. I just thought it's the end of the year. Let's just see what people are thinking and just gave him a chance to ask anything they want to ask about grace. And one guy stood up and he said, well, you know, now that I'm under grace, I just... You know, I just don't know how to be the husband I need to be, and my, my kids are running over me and everything. And I said, hold on. I said, all right, so first of all, don't blame that on grace. You must not be under grace, because if you're under grace, grace will help you to be the husband you need to be. If you're under grace, grace will give you the wisdom to show you how to operate with your children. So it's not this thing of, oh, well, you know, last night I cussed three people out, but thank God I'm under grace. No, if you're under grace, God will help you to hold your cussing tongue. <laughs> if you're under grace. And so grace, grace is not going to empower you uh, uh, to, to sin more. It's when you're under the law that sin has dominion over your life. When you're under grace, the grace of God begins to set you free and set you on a course and begins to renovate you on the inside. It's his unmerited favor, his unmerited love that will produce the power for you to do what needs to be done. It's his un unmerited favor, and it's, it's his unmerited uh, love. It's, it's, it's you finally trusting him to do in you what you've been trying to do all this time. 
It's you having faith in what Jesus has done more than you have faith in what you can do for him. Amen. Uh, now, so I'm not under the law for, for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under the law, but you're under grace. Now, notice in chapter seven, chapter seven says, verse uh, four, wherefore my brethren, you also are become dead to the law. Say out loud, I'm dead to the law by the body of Christ that you should be married to another. Now, you're not dead to the law, so you can just go and do what you wanna do. Well, I'm dead to the law, so I'm going to just go and act a fool. Uh, we were talking this past summer when uh, Brother Andrew came to our, our church and he said something that was just so good, I think the whole world needs to hear it. And he talked about the, the extremes of faith and grace. Faith, when you deal with it in its extreme, will lead you to legalism. Grace, when you deal with it in an extreme, it'll lead you to lasciviousness. In other words, when you begin to deal with faith in the extreme, all of a sudden you'll get so legalistic, now you'll start using your faith to try to get God to do what he's already done. And then in grace, you, you, to its extreme, all of a sudden now, you know, Jesus has set me free to the point where I can just do anything. It doesn't matter. I can fulfill the lust of my flesh. I can go sleep around with whoever I sleep around with because after all, I'm under the grace. Well, you know, we, we don't want to teach things into, into the extreme. You know, it's, it's a right balance that we want to look for. And you don't balance, you don't balance uh, faith with doubt. You don't, take, you don't take unbelief and balance faith. That's just how that works. And so we begin to understand that I am dead to the law so that I can marry Jesus. So that Jesus can begin to do the things in my life and lead me and to guide me and, and all the things that I, I, I need from him to help me with as he has finished the things that I've received by faith. Now, look what he said here in verse six, Romans seven, verse six. But now we are delivered from the law. Say out loud, I'm delivered from the law that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in the newness of spirit and not in the oldness of letter. I like to amplify it here. He says, but now we are discharged from the law. We have terminated all intercourse with it, having died to what once restrained and held us captive. Notice the law holds people in captivity. He said, so now we serve not under the obedience to the old code of written regulation, but under the obedience to the promptings of the spirit in the newness of life. See, under, under this new covenant, we're going to learn that under the new covenant, it's the spirit of God that's going to begin to lead and guide us. Now, when you take the law, the law stands inferior when it stands up. Uh, 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 to the spirit of God. Somebody says, well, <clears throat> well, ain't no harm in being led by the law. I don't want to be led by something that's inferior. No, no, here's the difference. The, the law will tell you, you need to love your wife. The Holy Ghost will show you how. There's a difference. The Holy Spirit will show you how. You know, you're, 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 that's why people ask these questions. Well, is it all right for me to, to drink wine? 
Because ain't no one in the Bible that say uh, it, it ain't all right. In fact, even Jesus said this. You know what I say? I said, go ahead and ask the Holy Ghost. In fact, we had a lady who to, to, to come to our church and she said she was the wife of Jesus. And she introduced herself. She says, I'm the wife of Jesus. <laughs> and then she came and she says, well, I'm here because uh, Pastor Dollar's supposed to give me $20 million. And they came back and told me, they said, the wife of Jesus is outside. And, <laughs> and, and she's waiting on you to give her $20 million. I said, well, she's the wife of Jesus. Tell her to ask her husband. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have under this new covenant of grace, the Holy Ghost. And he will lead us and he will guide us and he will teach us and he will renovate us on the See, the difference is when you have the spirit of God leading your life, you know, before you understood this covenant, you would go maybe to one of those restaurants and at the end of the restaurant, they'd have this big bucket of uh, peppermint and you'd reach in and you just take them, you know, two handfuls and just put it in your purse, right? <laughs> And then you look at the person, well the, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this, so it must be all right. But then now, once you begin to be led by the Holy Spirit, you go to doing that, Holy Spirit say, put that back. You're, cost, you're costing this establishment money. Just take one or two. You can't suck so many but at one time. <laughs> He'll start talking to you. What do you have? You have a developing relationship with the Holy Spirit who begins to lead and to guide you and begin to show you what you need to do and how to do what you do. So we don't have to be led by this, this written code, praise God. We have something better. And like he said last night, the righteousness of the law, Jesus has already fulfilled it. It's been fulfilled on the inside of us, praise the Lord. All right, so I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. Let's go on a little bit further here. Uh, let's go to the book of Galatians. Let's look at that. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Hallelujah, I'm going somewhere. I'm hunting. I'm setting you up like a mullet, man. I'm going to scale you. I'm going to shake and bake you. I'm going to fry you up. I'm going to serve you with some Georgia grits with a little Kool-Aid on the side. You understand what I'm saying? I mean to tell you, this is the, listen, when you begin to understand how much Jesus has done for you, how much he loves you, how much he's forgiven you, when you begin to understand that, I'm telling you, you, you you're going to be so in love with him. And I'm so in love with Jesus. I'm, you know, uh, I was diagnosed with an aggressive form of prostate cancer. And when it hit my body, I just thank God I knew about this. And I said, God, I thank you. I'm already healed. I was healed 2,000 years ago. God, I just give you praise. Then I got to reading in scripture where Jesus showed up in places and healed everybody that wasn't even saved. I said, now, ain't no way in the world you're going to heal all these people who have yet to be born again. And I struggle with something you've already done with me. And, and, and it's not me going around saying a thousand times, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed mechanically. But it's me going around saying one time, I'm healed with the sense of God's love that I know because God loves me, God will do what he said. Ooh, Jesus. Now see, I wasn't supposed to go that route, and I said, Lord, don't let me get in these rabbit trails, but I love him. 
I love it, man, and I'm not going to quit. I'm going to tell the whole, I've traveled seven million miles. I'm going to tell the whole world about grace. They're going to have to decide whether they like me or not, and whether they don't like me, that's when I'm going to send them Christmas gifts and love on them and tell them I'm love. I'm not going to stop calling you because you don't agree with what I'm talking about. You will. We're going to keep talking. I'm going to run after you, man. I'm going to keep calling you up till you change your cell number. You understand what I'm saying? And then when you change your number, guess who's coming to dinner? I'm going to be walking up in there, bro. Okay, let me calm down. Jesus. I'm... Okay, uh, Galatians chapter 2, 19. I'm just so honored that Andrew would invite me to, to be with him, he and Jamie. I'm, I'm just so, so honored, I tell you. And, and I, I don't have to feel so guilty for putting them to work because it's like, Dude, every year, as long as you live, I really need you to come to World Changers. Because I love sitting down and listening to him just preach the word, just preach it and just preach it and just preach it. And, and I don't mind that he doesn't scream and holler yet. I mean, come on, he hanging out with me? Come on, you know you're gonna see some of this rub off on him. And the next thing you know, he might be calm in a cool way. But every now and then, if I can just get him to up like that a little bit. You know, every time he does that up, you go like, that's Creflo. Look at him, been hanging around. Look at him. <laughs> Look at Galatians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, for I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I'm dead to the law so that I might live unto God. Now, now watch this. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are led by the Spirit? Raise your hands. You're led by the Spirit, right? All right, well, look what he says in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. But if you be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. You, you can't be led by the law and be led by the Spirit at the same time. If you, are, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. All right, go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And uh, let's look at verse 24 real quick. Verse 23, but before faith came, and we're talking about faith in this righteousness, righteousness by faith. Before faith came, we were kept under the law. We were shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. So this happened before this righteousness of faith showed up. We were under the law. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster. The law was what? Schoolmaster to bring us under Christ that we might be justified or declared righteous by faith. But after faith is come, has this righteousness of faith come? It has. He said, but after faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster, which is what? The law. For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So faith has come, we have been made righteous by our faith in Jesus Christ. We are no longer under the schoolmaster. Now, before I go in to butcher this, Romans makes it very clear that the law, is, the law is not bad. The law is good. The law is perfect. The law is holy. It came from a holy God. It came from a good God. 
the law accomplished perfectly what God created it to accomplish. But he never gave us the law to make us holy. He never made us, gave us a law to perfect us. He gave, he gave the law to, I mean, I know this sounds strange to people who don't know hear the gospel, but he gave you the law really to slap you on your face, to, to, to get you to the point where you would recognize that the law is not his best. The law is to deliver you from your performance. It was to deliver you from your self-effort. It was to, de to deliver you to a place in your life where you will finally concede and admit, I need a savior. It literally, because of the nature that we had in us before we got born again, the law was given, you already had that nature in you, that sin nature, so the law stirred up that sin that was already in you, then in your sin nature, it stirred it up. It, it increased sin, Romans says, that it abounded, it, it, it increased it the more. Now, it, it is going to be an issue for us to begin to try to minister these things to religious people who have been set in their tradition. It is bad tradition that'll cause the word of God to be of no effect. Now you would think, well, what's the problem? Would, you know, you just showed us these scriptures. It's very clear what you said. And, and most religious people, I'll show them the scriptures and they'll say, yes, amen. They'll say, oh yes, amen. We are not under the law. We are under grace. Yes, amen. But then it's the add-ons that, that Andrew talked about last night. Then they'll say, yeah, but you know, I still think we need the, 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 the thou shall not. And I think we need the law. Yeah, I'm under grace, but I still think we need, we need the law. And I'm thinking, no, no, we don't need the law. Why do you think we need the law? And, and what gets me is that the covenant that came through Moses, the covenant of law that came through Moses, was never offered to Gentiles. The only covenant that was offered to Gentiles was the new covenant. And most people don't even know what that is. They don't even know the agreement of the new covenant. So they hold on tightly to a covenant that was never even offered to them. We shouldn't even have to be having meetings all over the world trying to get people from the law to the covenant of grace, especially if you're a Gentile, because it ain't supposed to be yours in the first place. And you're sitting up here defending something that ain't yours. And continuously walking in the ignorance of the covenant that was offered to you. So now what I want to do, I mean, because you know, there's gonna always be this kind of conflict that's going on here, and I'll show you in the scripture where it says that, but I wanna, sh I wanna, I wanna try to help equip you to, to answer some of these questions. I, I, I like finding a string and just working it all the way through the Bible. I, I, I really do like people asking these questions, and, and I don't like them getting mad at me, but you know, while they're getting mad at me, kind of listening to what they're saying, you know, like, calm down, dude, and you know and just kind of, let's, let's see if we can answer that. Let's see what's going on there. But again, it's gonna take a revelation for it to happen. I'm, I'm dealing with preachers right now who, you know, some of them have been in ministry for a long time and they know about this, but they just don't wanna get into it right now because they know that what, what happens as a result of you getting into it. So we have started something called Grace Institute where I'm going around the country and spending 10 hours with pastors 
and I'm sitting down for 10 hours and start at the beginning, working our way to as much of an end as, as, as can be an end, and, and working with these guys. And at the end of it, they're like, I didn't know that. I never, I never heard of that before in my life. These guys have been in ministry for what, 20, 30 years because they've just, they just didn't know. But we took the time and just sat down and just, I mean, literally just spend 10 hours with them until they get it. And we're gonna keep doing that because I can impact, I can preach to, you know, 100,000 people. But if I don't reach those leaders, they're gonna talk you out of it. They're gonna, they're gonna find a way to teach, they're gonna find a way to say something. Let, let me give you an example. Um, I had a guy who said, well, I don't know why they're going around here trying to get people from the law. Uh, Jesus himself came to fulfill the law. Well, let me show you something. Go to Matthew chapter five. Let's just see that. Bless God, Jesus came to keep the law. Why you, if Jesus came to fulfill the law, then bless God, we ought to fulfill it. Well, that's the problem, you can't. That's why he came. If you could, he wouldn't have. Okay, let me calm down. You can tell I'm a, I'm a little bit more. Andrew's, he's nice and kind and he'll slap you up a little bit here and there and call you stupid every now and then, but. <laughs> Dear God, I was crying laughing last night, you know. Oh, man. <laughs> I almost looked at Taff and said, you're not stupid, are you? <laughs> but that's my wife. <laughs> she carries with her the spirit of slap, so I, I have learned. And now watch this. So, so here's, here's really what went on here now. Here's Jesus speaking, verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to what? To fulfill. Absolutely right. Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. And on top of that, look at verse 18. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. So according to that, the law is still in place and it'll still be in place until the earth departs, but it won't be in place for the righteous. So there, there is a purpose for the law on this side of the cross that just doesn't have any purpose where you're, you're concerned is righteous. Well, how do you deal with that when somebody shows you this? Well, first of all, yeah, Jesus came to fulfill the law. Well, why? Well, look at Galatians chapter four. In fact, since we're in Galatians four, look at verse one. Mm-hmm. I want to start at verse one because most of my, most of my years in the ministry, I mean, I was, I was taught and always heard Galatians four was talking about maturity versus immaturity. And it is, but in what way? Look at verse one. Now I say, now, now remember, chapter four is coming right after chapter three. Somebody says, duh. No, I'm saying that because, you know, this wasn't written in, in chapter and verse. And, and he just talked about how we were delivered from the law, that we're no longer under the schoolmaster. And he looks at, in fact, let's just start at verse, verse 26 in chapter three. 
For you are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed, your heirs according to the promise. All right? Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant though he be Lord of all. Well, what was he talking about? How is he a child? How is this heir a child? Well, you understand, if you take a three-year-old, even though he has, in a, as a part of his inheritance package, a Lamborghini, he can't drive it yet because he's three. Well, what makes this person a child here? Now, watch this. But he is under tutors and governors until the time appointed of the father. Now in chapter three, remember this, the law was the schoolmaster. The law was the tutor until faith had come. He's under tutors and governors until the appointed time of the father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. Now how were we children? And when were we children? Listen to this and Amplified. So we Jewish Christians also, when we were minors, were kept like slaves under the rules of the Hebrew rituals and, and, and subject to the elementary teachings of a system of external observations and regulations. What is he referring to? The law. Notice what he says. When we were under the law, we were children. When you're under the law, you're immature. You're children. Now look at this, verse four. But when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made what? Under the law to redeem them that were under the law. So Jesus was sent by God to redeem, and that word redeem, it is deliverance, but it's, it's deliverance through a payment or deliverance through a ransom. So his blood being that payment and that ransom, he said, to, he, he sent Jesus to deliver them that were under the law. Now why would Jesus come? The Bible says in John 1, 17, that the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus. Jesus didn't come to give us more law. He came to give us more grace. And grace for grace, for grace, for grace. And so, and so he says he came to redeem them that were under the law. If it was okay for you to still be operating in the law, then why did Jesus come to pay the payment and the ransom to redeem you from something? How can you argue, well, it's all right for me to be under the law and I dare you say I'm not supposed to be under the law anymore. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus came and shed his blood so you would no longer have to be a child under the law. So is God stupid? I mean, why would God send Jesus to give you more law? I apologize for getting excited. I'm screaming, aren't I? (laughs) 
to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive what? The adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart crying out, Father, wherefore thou art no more a servant but a son, and if a son, then you're an heir of God through Christ Jesus. So you're no longer a child. Why? Because you're no longer under the law. What makes you immature? What makes you children? It's when you continue to operate under the law. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Children. Basically, that's what you got to see people who argue this thing with you like, oh, you're still a child, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, brother Don, I'll tell you what, I got a big problem with y'all going around you. Now they're calling us hyper grace preachers. <laughs> well, I'm familiar with that when I was teaching on prosperity. I'm familiar with that when I was teaching on faith. It don't bother me now. Hyper? Yeah, I'm a hyper grace person. I'm hyper about his love and I'm hyper about his, un his forgiveness and I'm hyper about his power and I'm hyper about his favor. Woo, I'm hyper. <laughs> ah, children. Children. And as long as you operate under the law, you're children. And when you get tired of being children, Notice children will not have full access to their inheritance. And that's what happens when you remain under the law. You don't have full access to your inheritance. One day you're going to get tired of reading about what you've inherited. And you're going to want to get in that car and drive it, boy. But you got to make sure you're not a child anymore. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, are you a child? Don't answer, don't answer, please don't answer. Because if, if you're talking to a black woman, she'll say, do I look like a child? <laughs> All right, now. <laughs> now, now listen to this. Let's now, let's take what we've heard. I, I, I hope you, you're pretty convinced that we don't want to remain people living under the law. Living under this, this covenant of grace, being led by the Spirit of God is far more superior than what we see in, in the old covenant. So now let's take some new covenant glasses, put them on. It's, some, it's similar to going into a, um, what are those 3D movies? I, um, I was trying to go during the holidays to see uh, uh, this movie with uh, my grandbaby, and I was like, well, I'll go. And I went, and they said 3D. I said, ooh, no. Because last time I went to a 3D movie, it was like they, had, they didn't have the plastic glasses. They were like paper glasses you put around your ear, and they fall off, and, and my head would be hurting, and I'm looking at stuff, and I'm like, I don't like this. This just seemed like a bad dream or something. So, so, so I didn't go. Uh, but now they've improved the glasses, and, and I guess they've improved the quality, but my bad memory of it all just said I'm not interested in seeing 3D at all, okay? And I want you to kind of get rid of the bad memories you used to have 
And I want you to see this with these 3D glasses on. Let's go to Genesis and let's, let's work our way back up in, in to the new covenant. I hadn't talked about it yet, but we may get to it in, in oh, I got it, I got it. Oh, I get to preach again today, right? Okay, so I'll just, it's like, oh man, this is my last opportunity, I'll just. All right. We're all familiar with the story here of, of Adam and Eve in the garden and, and um, we're, we're familiar with the two trees in the garden. I want us to read verse 16 and 17 out loud together. Just so many places where law versus grace appeared, even in symbolism and it wasn't the very image of the thing, but you just see it throughout the Old Testament, just a bunch of shadows here. In verse 16 and 17, and the Lord commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest what? Freely eat. The word here is freely eat. The word here is freely. Might freely eat. So that you don't think that God's holding it out on you. That you might freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge, let me say something else about that. That you might freely eat, which means you're not doing something to eat. It's for free. No payment. You can freely eat. You can freely eat of all of the trees of the garden, and that includes the tree of life. You can freely eat of all the trees of the garden, and that includes the, the tree of life. You know, I started thinking, Adam, what is wrong with you? And God said, don't you now understand why I created a woman? said a woman is built with intuition. She just knows that you need to be hanging around the center of the garden. Men have reasoning. Adam all on the outside. God makes the woman, and the, the woman by instinct knows we need to be here. And I mean to tell you, boy, boy, she almost got us to where we were supposed to be. Be here, Adam. And they're in the center of the garden, man. And the problem was, Adam wasn't talking to his wife enough so that she would understand the vision. Because she wasn't there when God said this stuff. So it was up to the man to open his mouth and start speaking to his wife concerning vision. But because the serpent showed up doing more talking, obviously talking more than Adam. She started listening to the serpent and started saying stuff that God didn't say. Oh, did God say you could eat of the trees of the garden? Yeah, God said we can eat of the tree of the garden except them. No, no, you, you missed a very important word, freely. And so now all of a sudden, there were two trees there. She led him to the right area but because he didn't speak into his wife, they end up eating off the wrong tree. Now, let me tell you something, husbands. Start speaking into the life of your wife, the visions and the places where God is showing you to go. Don't be going places and not speaking that vision in her. She need to know exactly what you're supposed to be doing and where you're going so she can go with you accurately. A man is strong in reasoning, 
but the wife has intuition. You need to pay attention to that. You need to thank God for that gift that she has. See, a, your wife can she, can, she can tell when some woman flirting with you. And your, your big head reasoning self, you don't even know it. Huh, ain't nobody flirting with me. What you talking about? We all right? And the wife like, it's, it's happening, why? I just know, I can tell. You need to listen to your woman. She can pick up people on your staff that, that uh, are not there for the right reasons. Your wife will come in there like, I just something about, something about, uh, I mean, we need to be to watch. What you talking about? I didn't notice nothing. Well, I know, I got, I got the intuition. Don't you know God, God, listen, God made me smarter than you. <laughs> See, understand, understand, I was sent here to help you. So obviously you need some help. So don't be acting like you all that. I wouldn't even be here if you didn't need no help. <laughs> Somebody shout, grace. grace. That's what that wife is, she grace. She's trying to help you because you need some help. So you gotta understand, Adam was messed up from the time he saw Eve. I mean, Eve floating towards him. God bought the woman to the man, and he was like, whoa, 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 man. So she like, come on, big boy. He's like, whoa, whoa, man, whoa, 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 man. So she's sitting there getting ready to eat the fruit of the garden. Adam standing right there, ain't saying nothing because he's still going, whoa, 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 man. Come on, Adam, you think we ought to eat this? Whoa, 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 man. I don't know how I got there, but somebody needed that. I don't, I don't know, some, some guy walking around thinking he all that, and the wife like, see, I tried to tell you, Frank. So, so anyway, like I need my wife here right now telling me, shut up and stick to the subject. Amen? Whoa, 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 man. Verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. All right, now watch this. Why, if, if, if the enemy wanted to end all this, why didn't he tempt Eve to just kill Adam? Why tempt where the tree was concerned? Remember, it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. What is the law? The knowledge of good and evil. And here is the tree of life right here. The Bible says, that the law is the strength of sin. First Corinthians 15, I believe. So wherever there's the law, Satan can tempt you where that law is concerned. So how come he didn't tempt Eve to kill Adam? Because there was no law prohibiting murder at the time. So that wouldn't have been a temptation. But there was some issues concerning that tree right there. And that's the only place where the enemy could have possibly tempted them where that tree is concerned. 
That's why on the cross, Jesus took the law and all of it and nailed it to the cross and snatched that authority away from principalities and power and they no longer have anything against you. Why? Because you're not under the law, you're under grace and that you can't be tempted with that because you don't live by that. So even in Genesis, even in the garden, there was this picture of the law, that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, versus life. If they wanted to know the difference between good and evil, here's all they had to do. Hey, Dad, could you tell us the difference between good and evil? And he'd have spoke to them and told them the difference between good and evil, and they would have enjoyed the freedom of grace. Now, fast forward. Let's go to the, the, the two major covenants that are represented here in the Bible. The two major covenants represented in the Bible. The covenant of the law, or the Mosaic law, or the law of Mount Sinai, because that's where it was given. This is the law that came by Moses. Now, we gotta understand dispensations. God responds based on the covenant and the dispensation, based on the covenant that's operating in that particular dispensation. I like to define dispensation as housekeeping rules for that time. So when you see God operating and responding under the Mosaic covenant, under the covenant of the law, and then you fast forward over into the covenant of grace, the covenant of the, the new covenant, you're gonna see a difference. What God did under one dispensation, he is not responding the same in another dispensation. If you don't understand that there are different dispensations and different covenants, you'll try to take God and you'll try to use the rules of operation and the rules or the agreements of the old covenant and you'll try to bring those same agreements in that old covenant over into the new covenant. And you can't do that. Under the old covenant, it was real clear. Uh, do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. Under the old covenant, you had a part, God had a part. Under the old covenant, you had, you had different priesthoods. But under the new covenant, that we'll see in a moment, under the new covenant, it's not do good, get good. Because what God does in the new covenant is not based on your good. See, there was a faithfulness problem that God fixed in the new covenant that continued to fail in the old covenant. That man continued to demonstrate faithlessness in the old covenant. And so God was limited in what he could do in the covenant of the law because of man's uh, faithfulness problem. He did something so amazing in the New Testament when he removed man out, man's faithfulness out from the center of the equation and made a covenant with himself to be faithful to man without your faithfulness. Uh, I gotta explain all that. I'm just kind of giving you a summary and then we'll, get, we'll pick it out when we, when we see this. 
The issue is some people think, well, God is going to respond to me based on what I do under the new covenant. No, that operates under the old covenant. Under the old covenant, God responds to, 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 to what you do. Under the old covenant, you had a part and then God had a part. Under the old covenant, if you did good, you got good. Under the old covenant, you had these rules that operated on the old covenant and you got church people today all over America that are still taking the agreement of the old covenant and trying to, to, to activate it under a new covenant. It's a new agreement. It's got better promises. All right, let me see. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. I'll, I'll set this up. Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 28. Look at, let's just look at verse one and two. <clears throat> and it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently under, unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and to do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come on thee and overtake thee if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God. Now, in the Garden of Eden, here's what we saw. In order to keep the blessing flowing, in order to be able to continue to freely eat of all the trees of the garden, the agreement was don't touch that particular tree here. Don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Don't touch. That's the agreement. Okay? As long as you keep the agreement, you'll continue to be able to operate in the blessings of being able to eat freely from all of the trees of the garden. But if you break the agreement, he says there's going to be a separation that takes place. All right. So you, you go to Deuteronomy 28. Here's an agreement here. Here's an agreement here. And the agreement is I, I, I want you to keep all of these commandments. I want you to keep every last one of them. And yet James chapter 2, 10, chapter 2 verse 10 says if you offend in one, then you've, you've, you've offended the whole thing. You've broken the entire law. I mean, you've got to understand what that means. I mean... There's something like, what, 615 do's and don'ts? And they cover everything from what to eat, how to dress, and when and how to go to the bathroom. Now, for most of us who are defenders of the, well, most people who defend the law, if you decide to cook pork ribs on, on the 4th of July, that's it. You done messed up everything. Nice. One rib messed up everything. <laughs> or if you, you know, ate something, kind of messed with your stomach a little bit, you got to go to the bathroom, but it's not time to go to the bathroom <laughs> according to the law, but you couldn't hold it. Bam, you done messed up the whole thing. Even in Exodus chapter 19, ladies and gentlemen, after he finished giving the Ten Commandments, right after he gave the Ten Commandments, he instituted the building of an altar and the bringing of sacrifices to the altar because he knew that they were not going to be able to keep all of this. That's why he made a way for them to bring sacrifices to the altar and that he would bless them through the sacrifice. 
If he knew you could keep it all without any problem, he'd have never instituted the, the, bring, the building of altars and to bring these sacrifices, which was a shadow of Jesus on the cross. The law was never God's best. Jesus has always been God's best. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? But that was the agreement here. The agreement was you had to do your part and God would do his part. The agreement was that if you did good, God would do good. The agreement was is that you, that you would keep all the law. Now you gotta understand, he did not, and, 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 and I'll have time to go through this tonight, he did not give the law. You know, you look at the Ten Commandments, different pictures, and you know, you get the idea that, you know, oh, God looked down and the earth was in such chaos. So his answer to that was just give the law and all would be good, and Moses would come, and ah, 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 That is not at all what God did, and I'll show you this tonight, man. You know, something had to be done. The, they didn't know that what they were doing was sin. There was no consciousness that their transgression was sin. So the law is the knowledge of sin. The law shows you what you're doing wrong. But even deeper than that, the law was given to bring you to a point. It was given to make you fail on purpose. It was never given for you to complete. Nobody kept all of the law. I don't know where you got that from. Quit looking at Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments. Ain't nobody, all of them kept no all no law. None of them did. It wasn't given for you to be successful. It was given to bring you to a point of failure so that you can recognize you need a savior. <laughs> I, I can remember going before the Lord and I taught this, what I thought was this fabulous message on the love of God. And it was based on the law. <laughs> you should love the Lord with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. You know, speaking Elizabethan. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I love you with all of my heart, all of my soul, all of my might, all of my strength. And I heard this, do you? It was time to get honest. I said, I want to. Because immediately when, when I heard, do you? Immediately I knew, I don't love him with all of my heart. I don't love him with all of my mind. I got other stuff going on up here. I don't love him with all of my strength and all of my wealth. I got stuff in deposit. <laughs> oh, man, I was humbled. 
I said, only Jesus has been able to love him like that. And I put so much pressure on myself to love him in a way that that's not the whole point. He says, I'm making it impossible for you to love me without Jesus. And then I saw grace in 1 John where he said, I love you first. I love you first. And watch this. And you take the love that I have for you and transmit it into others. And man, I had a sign of relief, like, oh my God, thank God for the grace that God's gonna love me first. And he's gonna love me first, and then I'll, I can now know how to love other people. It went from loving people like you love yourself, and I'm thinking, what about those people who don't love themselves? Dear God, I don't want them to love me the way they love themselves, look at them. <laughs> says, no, no, here's the new commandment I'm giving you in the new covenant. Here's what I'm gonna write on your heart. I'm gonna write this new commandment that I want you to love other people like I've loved you. That's what he's gonna write on your heart. So, so here's what we're gonna do tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up from, from this covenant of the law and we're gonna walk into the new covenant and talk about what that agreement is. And because those are the two major covenants, I wanna be able to compare the expectations of the Mosaic law with, and compare it in contrast, with, go, with what is going on with the new covenant. And I want you to grab a hold of that new covenant. And the more you understand about the new covenant, the greater depth of understanding you will have about the grace of God operating in your life. Amen? All right, I got to be like coffee this morning. Hot, quick, and black. So I'm done. I'll see you tonight. We hope your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. It's the faithful support of people like you who make this ministry possible. We invite you to prayerfully consider becoming a partner with Andrew Womack Ministries. We maintain a website at awmi.net. Our helpline number is 719-635-1111, or you can write us at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80934. Until next time, we pray that you'll reach out by faith and receive everything that's yours through God's grace.